0: Hey, Jim, how are you doing? Yeah, well, thanks, Brian. I'm delighted to catch up with you, Game. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. Um, For anyone joining us, we have Jim Mawson, founder uh, and editor in chief of the global venture, uh, excuse me, global corporate venturing community. Um, Jim was editor of the Private Equity News, which is part of Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal in London for nearly four years uh, before launching his own publishing company. He's also served as spokesman on BBC radio and television and chaired awards and conferences for a host of media groups, including the BBCA Awards and, and many others. Um, he's also a director of the London Press Club and has acted as, as a pro bono editor for the European Venture Philanthropy Association's monthly newsletter. Uh, and Jim graduated from King's College in London. So um, with that intro, Jim, again, thank you so much for being here. I'd, I'd love to just start with your purview as someone that's in London right now. You know, what what does it look like to look into the U.S.? And as we sort of embark on you know, our journey of COVID-19 right now, how, how are things from a European perspective?
1: Yeah, well, I think in ways, the UK is in the same camp as the US. Uh, we haven't had too much of a lockdown until relatively recently. Um, and so I think there's a degree of uncertainty in terms of how we look at the US is also reflecting how we think about ourselves. We're not sure whether the strategy we've had is right. We don't quite know what the economic impact's gonna be. We don't quite know when the virus will be resolved, it either mm-hmm. go away of itself or we find a cure of vaccination for it. And so I think as we look at the US, our main hope is that you guys will be all right. Because if you're okay, we'll probably will
0: be as well. <laughs> That's super interesting. And you know, I I think for for people that are listening that may not be as familiar with uh, the GCV as I am, uh, give, give people a little bit of sense of you know what the GCV does and how it fits into the venture capital community.
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to do so, Brian. So as you mentioned, I
0: used to be the private equity and venture capital editor.
1: at sort of Al, Dow Jones. They did private equity news, various other sort of trade papers, news wires and various bits and pieces, including Wall Street Journal. And so when I was coming out of that to set up this company and set up Global Corporate Venture in, Back in 2010, I was kind of interested in answering two pretty basic questions, which was that Dow Jones, we really only looked at the independent venture capital firms that primarily raise money from institutional limited partners, the big pension funds, life assurers, those types. And I had a view that coming out of the global financial crisis, as we were then back in late 2009, 2010, was that we would start to see much more strategic capital trying to find the fast-growing companies and the source of innovation for the future. Because ultimately, what had driven returns for the prior 30 years since sort of Volcker was started to cut interest rates in the early 1980s was that, in effect, debt had been driving asset valuations. And the global financial crisis wasn't a way of saying debt was going away. Uh, It was a way of saying that actually, if you were going to get debt at better returns, you know, and more debt, you had to show growth at the top line, in Mm -hmm. effect. And how do you get the equity growth? You've got to show human capital, physical capital, innovation. Mm -hmm. So, my view was that sort of we would start to see corporations. Governments and universities pay much more attention to the source of that innovation, both internally at the large corporations, but also externally, that open innovation, the ideas of Clay Christensen and Henry Chesper, and people like that. And mm-hmm. so, so, that was the sort of thesis was that you know we would start to see that strategic capital flowing in. And what we've seen by asking those two questions, which is who is interested in and who is providing that capital and what are they doing in terms of either providing minority equity to those entrepreneurs or being limited partners in the VC funds, which then were doing so, you will start to get a, a complement to what I had been doing at Dow Jones, which was looking at the independent firms and focusing much more on the sort of corporates or governments and universities. Mm-hmm. So the publications we do here at Global Corporate Venture and we track you know, more than 3,000 corporates around the world that have taken stakes in startups. You know, to give you some context, Brian, you know, last year, corporations were involved in more than $134 billion of venture deals out mm-hmm. of what PitchBook assumed was more than $250 billion of total venture deals. And if you take that decade as a whole, the 2010s, what you found, according to Pitchbrook, there was, there was about one point seven trillion dollars of venture deals done which is the context more than all prior decades of venture history put together and corporations were involved in the majority of those deals so if vcs raised about 500 billion in the 2010s and there was 1.37 trillion dollars of venture deals done then you have to come to the conclusion that actually those strategic or non-financial only investors were very much the majority of capital going into Mm -hmm. the ecosystem, which is the first time that's ever happened. And I think, you know, it creates a really interesting time right now.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. The next question I'd have for you, Jim, is just give us a little bit of a sense of the reaction in the the corporate venture community in particular to COVID-19. Um, whether that's deployment of capital, whether that's how they're working with their portfolio companies. What are some of the reactions that you're seeing and maybe some of the best practices uh, of the corporate uh, venture arms that you're that you're working with? Sure. Well, I've got probably two angles
1: coming into this, Brian. So one of which, I, as well as being CEO for, for the own company that I run, I'm also sort of non-executive chairman of another uh, company called Radar, which is an AI uh, company backed by Press Association, um, and so you know, I kind of you know, this is quite an important topic for me personally because mm-hmm. we we took in some growth equity ourselves about six years ago. You know, I chair another company which is you know minority backed by other groups and has been thinking about venture ecosystem. But then in the main job that we do, we deal with obviously thousands of corporations which have taken tens of thousands of stakes in other startups. So this is really important to people's livelihoods. Obviously the primary thing about COVID-19 is, you know, obviously people's health and welfare. You know, there's a lot of people being, you know, whose health is affected and, you know, that's number of concern for everyone in this ecosystem is effectively trying to say, you know, hey, how are people doing? How do we reach out? How do we make sure, our portfolio companies as well as our families, how do people, you know, cope in, you know, people working from home and they're not used to it or they're worried about their salaries and jobs. You know, this is a sort of really existential issue for a lot of people. And I think the corporate venturing community as well as the VCs and others are are really trying to say, hey, how do we help? And so I think that's the first point of view around COVID-19 is this is a human issue and it's about people's health and livelihood. Then, obviously, from that, the second part or the second order priority um, is very much to think about, you know, which portfolio companies are affected in what way, what level of support do they need? Now, some, they might, uh, they might have um, effectively a triage. There might be some groups that are effectively their demand has gone away so substantially uh, for such a period of time that they're just their business model is going to die. And these companies are effectively, the, you know, on death row, uh, for want of a better phrase, um, you know, which isn't nice to consider. You know, this is stuff that you know, wouldn't normally be expected. A lot of startups and VCs, you know, have to deal with the fact that, uh, you know, portfolio companies do fail. And this is a shock that could really send a number of, uh, of those portfolio companies over the edge. And it's not nice to think about it in that way. But, you know, it's the nature of the job that corporate and venture investors have to have to think about. Second sort of triage, uh, part of the triage, the second piece are, are groups that fundamentally, you know, the business models might survive. They just need a bit of time, support. There might be things that they can do as a corporate investor. If you think about from an entrepreneur's point of view, they're only really looking for five primary things, Brian. They're looking for capital, customers, product development, hiring, and an exit. Now, capital, you know, you just need to get cash in, really. You know, how do you get cash in if customers have gone away? There's a short term issue. Some VCs can provide a, a bridge loan. A corporates can provide a bridge loan. They might be a customer themselves. They might be able to say, hey, we can help you out. We can actually be your customer and keep the cash going. they allow you to grow through your business and grow through this trouble. Again, supply. You know, There are mm-hmm. you know, huge issues around supply chain. At the moment, China's obviously been affected in q1 other countries are being affected more recently you know how do you find and source and manage these issues that a lot of entrepreneurs are facing and then corporations can really step up and deal with. and the same with personnel you know if people are getting sick or they're working from home you know how do you manage that how do you find a technology or find a solution to do that to enable your business to enable you to manage your customers or find newer ones these are not difficult but corporations have real lot of strength to be able to help they can say hey we've got HR departments we know how to manage these types of issues or we can help mm-hmm. supply or offload some people that may be redundant in current our practices but might be able to help you out if you've got a real surge of support so that's sort of level two category yeah. of the triage which is companies that fundamentally just need a bit of support this is an issue that they've got to manage corporations can help around those five needs
0: that they're dealing with. yeah that's great that's super helpful. i'd I'd love to d- just double click on one of those, which is capital right now. You know, as someone that sat in, in the private equity world for a little bit. can you can you just talk to whether or not you think debt markets are going to become more attractive as as we look forward? I mean, I, I think you know equity will still be available, meaning you could still fundraise. but I, I do think in many ways that the terms will will change and start to be a little more in the favor of the investor. Do you think that'll lead? Founders to start to move into the debt markets to start to look to debt as a more attractive option, or, or do you still think we'll see continued deployment pace in the in the in the traditional VC community?
1: Yeah, so uh, again, I think there's two parts. You know, if you look at governments around the world, they're offering sort of interest-free or paying interest on loans at the moment as a short-term bridge um, to get you through to a next round or or how you deal with some of these issues you know longer term you can see debt being more attractive to certain types of companies say if you're a SaaS business and you've got a a good hand on what long life term value or LTV is for you know a customer and you know what your customer acquisition cost is why give a, you know why raise equity to then spend it on marketing to get a customer in which then will provide more value longer term when debt might be a much more attractive or valuable opportunity in that sense. So I think, you know, definitely what we're seeing is the sort of blurring of public and private capital markets. And that includes greater sophistication of how particularly the public markets have been using debt. If you look at the private equity model, how they value businesses, how they sort of gear it up to provide focus on management to think about it there's no reason some of the later stage or some areas within the venture market couldn't be more sophisticated or better applying that now from an entrepreneur's point of view debt brings a lot of challenges if there are covenants if there's interest to be paid on it Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it's crazy to think about using debt and to be using the cash that you're churning off particularly if your unit economics aren't great in the short term to be trying to then service the debt rather than growing the business so i think it definitely depends you will see more sophistication people with your background brian at goldman sachs you know i mean you bring a huge ton of value to the ecosystem just from your understanding of what a capital structure could look like in businesses but i think for most entrepreneurs the thought of having debt over the top of them when they concentrate on growing the business is underwhelming. Yeah. at a point, Later stage, possibly.
0: Yeah, that's a great, I think that's a really great point. Um, two more for you, Jim. I, I really appreciate you being here. This has been super interesting. Um, walk us through, just from your perspective, um, you know whether you think that we'll see a continued, uh, you know, increase in global investing, meaning you know U.S. investors <laughs> looking to emerging markets, U.S. investors looking. Um, to, to London and Tel Aviv and, and Germany, et cetera. You know, do, do you think that COVID-19 plays a role in that longer term and and, and has people sort of looking to just spend their time domestically or, or will we continue to see sort of globalization in the venture community? Sure. Great question. Um,
1: yeah. So like historically, a majority of corporations when they're doing venture and deals do it outside of their home borders. So they do more international deals. Historically, VCs have been about one third international for uh, and two thirds domestic in terms of you know the number of groups that are able to go across borders. Will we see those numbers change and more international? Maybe I think some of the headwinds with COVID nineteen are you know is the it's it's becoming harder to actually do international deals. The protectionist sentiments increasing. You saw sort of you know what Germany's reaction to. Donald Trump allegedly or apparently trying to get exclusive rights for a German company called CureVac to just market their potential cure to COVID-19 to you Americans. You know, that sort of thing has created a massive backlash internationally, particularly in Europe. Uh, about whether they want American money to come in at all. Because, you know, it's been a real issue for a lot of countries that they develop some of these good ideas and then they relocate to Silicon Valley or American money comes in and then they lose effectively these faster growing companies or they Mm -hmm. get acquired by American groups. So I think in the short term, we might see actually a backlash. Against some of this globalization that we've seen, it will become harder to do some international deals. You know, American companies have effectively been on the whole kicked out of China for at least a decade in many ways. You know, the deals that you saw in the first part of the millennium, you know, American groups going to Chinese and taking stakes in them. You know, or other countries doing it, you just haven't seen so much of that in the past ten years. In much more local capital, will we see more of that in other countries? Possibly. I think you know, longer term, you know, I think value and capital will flow to where there's value and where there's attractiveness. And I think the real opportunity set is the fact that so many people want to be entrepreneurs, and there's capital flowing around the world. And as venture capital yeah. goes from fundamentally Being a local lifestyle business to a a true asset class and much more professional, then that will naturally create groups that can, like Sequoia or NEA or the big
0: corporate venturing units, that can be international. Super interesting. Um, Last one for you, Jim. Just talk a little bit about. Uh, some of the optimism or or light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, that you see coming out of this? You know, if we look in six to 12 months from now, whether it's the transition to digital or some of the other things that may occur, you know, what are some of the silver linings that you see COVID-19 potentially introducing into the venture capital community as we look forward? Yeah,
1: sure. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think one of the things I'm most excited about, you know, outside of um, you know outside obviously the short term shock that it 's bringing is the fact that people are in many ways moving from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. People that you mm. wouldn 't necessarily see coming together or thinking more collaboratively or opening their ideas to how technology or innovation can help them are really starting to do that and they 're doing it at a time yeah. scale that they hadn't necessarily thought they could work at or needed to work out before. In particular, I'm thinking around governments, corporations, VPs, and even entrepreneurs and some of the more established people. So I think coming out of this, we've got a real opportunity for people to think more collaboratively, collectively, and be more open to the ideas. So that's the thing I'm most excited about. I think the technology, the innovation's always been there. It's just being able to get it to that global scale as quickly as possible.
0: It's amazing. Uh, Jim Mawson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of the Global Corporate Venture Community. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate the time. And uh, this, was, this was super interesting and, and very uh, helpful to have a, a little more of a global perspective on all this. So thank you so much.
1: Well, Brian, you were being a bit modest. We were, I was honest, uh, uh, honestly delighted to help because, you know, actually one of the things that you didn't mention at the start of the call was actually you were picked out by your peer group as a rising star. In the overall private equity and venture capital <laughs> ecosystem, yourself, and I don't think necessarily many people know that. But actually, your sort of your sort of track record and sort of insights is is unique. So, to be honest, it was a real honor and pleasure to hear from you as well, Brian. So,
0: I, I really appreciate that, Jim. Uh, thank you so much, and I uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, stay safe, and thanks for joining us. You stay safe too, Brian. Speak. Soon. Okay.